Woo, woo, this new coffee blend's got me seeing auras and hearing colors. Yeah, it's from Papua New Guinea. And my wife brewed it strong. It's like drinking syrup. Man, I can hear the gods talking to me. Uh, welcome to episode three of the Seth Says Podcast. Uh, man, I get bored working out sometimes. I've been working out. I've been on sports teams and everything since I was... 15, well, I did gymnastics, everything, real young, and uh, I like bodybuilding, bodybuilding's cool, because it's based on aesthetics, so you can sculpt yourself, there's a lot you can play with there, you can make yourself look how you want, with a little work in the gym, just consistency, not really intensity, Uh, it's been fun, casual bodybuilding's been a hobby of mine since for a real long time since probably since 2002 and uh i like it but i get bored so i need to just experiment with different fitness modalities so that i stay fit because if i get bored then i won't want to work out and if i lose the will to work out i just won't be in the gym and i won't do anything so i decided to pick up a piece of equipment that i hadn't really put a lot of time into and enter the kettlebell i remember i was at Barnes and Noble, no, Books a Million, with my brother, and I saw this Russian guy, and he had like a, not a build like a bodybuilder, but just manly, just a man build, and uh, I was like, man, how'd that guy get that build, and in the picture, he was ripped, he was, he couldn't have been Probably 200 pounds, 190, something like that. And, uh, yeah, 75-pound kettlebell in his hand. Like doing a shoulder press with a 75-pound kettlebell. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. If you picked up a 75-pound dumbbell and you're doing shoulder press with that, that's a lot. But swinging him around and doing functional fitness, he was swinging it up and catching it and flipping it. And I looked through the book, and that was what they taught the Russian army. The Russians have been using the kettlebell if you don't know what a kettlebell is, the cannonball with a handle of various sizes. You know, I've seen them as low as five and as high as 75. So, all gradations in between 10 pound, 5 pound intervals. Anyway, so yeah, I figured I'd get into the kettlebell. Very unique uh, method of fitness. I was thinking, oh, that just looks like a dumbbell. You know, why couldn't you just use the dumbbell for, you know, kettlebell-style exercises? It's just like this outdated dumbbell. So I kind of just threw it by the wayside for a while. Recently, I got into it, and, man, every single rib I got is sore. It's a very different kind of workout. Russians, like I said, they've been using them since 1700. And uh, you've seen some American strongmen use them. Like in the 20s, back in the leopard unitard days of waxed mustaches and monocles. You know, that kind of strength. Old school strength. But then, for some reason, we dropped them and they haven't come back until, you know, the 2000s. So, uh, and then this guy, Pavel Tatsulin, that same guy that did the Enter the Kettlebell book, did... 
uh, podcast with Joe Rogan recently, and I was like, oh, that's such a coincidence. I was just thinking about getting into kettlebells and just thinking about that book. And then so I listened to that podcast, and I decided to get a kettlebell app and go at it. And let me tell you, it made bodybuilding feel like the easy way out. 15 consecutive non-stop minutes of swinging kettlebells around and pressing them and curling them and 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 doing all that is that's a damn long time to be doing that continuously and I am so sore head to toe. You know in that podcast he said it it's real good for your general athleticism, which is what I'm focused on now that I'm I'm 40, you know, in the second half of my life, it's halftime. The first half was about strength. I wanted to get that 300-pound bench. I wanted to get that 400-pound squat. Got that 450 deadlift when I was in my 20s. And the barbell is cool, but the older you get, then lifting becomes destructive for you if you're chasing strength. And uh, so I decided to stop chasing strength. I want functional strength. I'm more concerned with strength that has the range of motion and mobility of my joints and joint health as my focal point in the second half. You know, and that's going to start bleeding into my personal training. So the kettlebell, yeah, wonderful instrument. There's a lot that can be done with it. You know, fitness is awesome. And just movement itself, the science of motion is just fascinating. There's an, it's a never-ending story. You never really have to get bored. So I stay, I stay motivated by switching modalities. <clears throat> and I decided to do a kettlebell. Don't regret it. It was miserable. I mean, leave it to the Russians to find out how to make working out hyper effective and horribly miserable but i loved it because i like to push myself not so much that i'll hurt myself like i said joint mobility is huge in the second half and i take great pains to be really mindful of that Uh, i always had this approach to to athletics uh, that runs contra to what people are doing and the workout culture in America now. They got that one more rep, go hard or go home. Yeah, go hard and go home injured. You know, I always, I see it all the time. I work at the gym. You know, where you been? Oh, pulled my shoulder out, so, you know, hadn't been here in a couple months. It really hurts. Can't even pick up a grocery bag. If You can't treat every practice session like uh, like you're competing. You can't. You're just going to bust yourself up. If you really want to build yourself up, it's my slogan from day one when I became a personal trainer, because I had a history of overdoing it, is consistency over intensity. That's the formula. If you're in there consistently, you don't have to get too crazy. And I've said this before on episode one, but I'll say it again because just I need to be reminded I have a tendency towards extreme behavior, and a lot of people do, you know? So, that's a good thing to remember. It's a good thing to be mindful of. 
is that if you want to play the long game, you got to be kind to your joints. You can't beat your knees like a slave and then complain about it later endlessly to people who don't want to hear it because you made the choice to just get too crazy. You know, <clears throat> it's better to it's better to keep it moderate. It's better to keep it moderate and go all the time as often as you can. And if you did like, you don't need to do an hour and a half a day. If you did half an hour a day, you know, 45 minutes, that's great because you're not building your strength and building quality muscle and becoming cardiovascular, you're having cardiovascular strength gains while you're in the gym breaking it down, you're breaking it down then so that you can build it up and you build it up during your rest periods. You build it up with sleep, super important. You build it up with water, you know, keeping hydrated, you know, getting your nutrition right, getting adequate protein intake. The time that you're not in the gym is as important as the time that you are in the gym. You're in the gym breaking everything down. You're spending the rest of the time building up that breakdown so that you're really taking it's really the science of taking one step back to take two steps forwards and that's and that's really how it works i'm interested to see how these kettlebells are going to shape my body you know feels good uh one of my full contact fighting friends he was a amateur and professional champion in a smaller venue for mixed martial arts and he said man i got this personal training coach ran me through this 15 minute kettlebell routine and it felt like a fight like it felt like well of course you're not getting hit but it felt like the same type of exertion and the same strain on the lungs in the exact same kind of way because of the momentum it's you know a lot of it's momentum based and it's full body and uh, I tucked that thought away for a long time, probably more than 10 years. And then I did it yesterday, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's what Kenny said. That's why he said it. It was the closest thing to competition, and I competed. And he's right. And it was rough. But rough in a good way. Not rough in a connective tissue risk sort of way. Rough in a good good honest huff and puff kind of way you know get the lungs heaving and that was great uh, kettlebells for the win so i'm gonna keep doing that i'm gonna explore that you know probably get pavel's book that's pavel tatsulin the father of the american kettlebell yeah very helpful uh yeah moderation moderation has done that's how you play the long game and everything. Recently looked into... Well, martial artists are familiar, especially if they have a Chinese background. I mean, it's pretty much an Asian thing, too. If you look at the symbol of yin and yang, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's it's a, it, it's a circle. Half of the circle is black. The other half of the circle is white. It's got like an S through the middle and then two dots of opposite color on the diametrically opposing sides on sort of a diagonal, right? That's a yin-yang. You know, kids call it yin-yang, you know, but that's not correct. It's Y-I-N-Yin and then uh, Y-A-N-G, yang, yin-yang. And that thing is is useful. I've been, looking at, I've been looking at it a lot lately because I like 
things that philosophies that have to do with direct experience and making your mind quiet so that your concentration is better because I was kind of a hyperactive kid so I need something like that to keep me focused and I still I still do and so I like I like philosophies that run along that vein I also like philosophies that um, how can I put this? Take away your prejudices. And that could be your prejudices are really just your preferences a lot of times, you know. I prefer, you know, the color blue. I like the taste of mustard. I hate Nickelback. <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. The Really, reality just is, and we go along coloring it according to our preferences. A lot of times those preferences cause us a lot of problems. They bring us into conflict with a lot of other people. They don't have any ethical basis, and they're really not, you know, somebody else's preferences aren't hurting us, but we find them offensive for some egomaniacal reason. You know, we're like, oh, shut it down. I don't like that, you know. Why? There's no really reason for that. So I think if you can eliminate, if you can see bald reality, naked reality for how it is without coloring and with too many judgments, your world will open up and you'll see a lot of things that you missed because you were focusing only on how you think everything should be. And that creates a lot of strife to focus on how you think, oh, it should be like this. No, not green, not blue, you know, uh, rap, not country, you know, all, all that. It's <clears throat> so, yeah, clarity, just mental clarity, like anything like that. So the, the symbol of yin and yang comes from a philo Chinese philosophy called Taoism. And there were two monasteries in China full of martial artists and everybody saw Kung Fu with Cane snatched a pebble from my hand and you can leave this place. Grasshopper. Right? Those are Buddhists and everybody knows what a Buddhist is. And they had Kung Fu based on animals. Tiger, dragon, snake, monkey, those kinds of things. Well, there was a whole other monastery with a whole other philosophy based on another philosopher. So Shaolin Temple, the one with the tiger and crane, Kung Fu, was based off of Buddhism, the teachings of the Buddha as a philosopher, and Tai Chi originated in the Wudang Mountains. And that's from a philosopher named Lao Tzu. And he came up with the Tao, the symbol of yin and yang. And <clears throat> people from the Western Hemisphere, it didn't originate here. So they take the symbol and sort of give it Judeo-Christian connotations. Oh, the black means evil and the white means that it's good. That's not anything close to how the symbol... It's not an accurate representation of the ideas that the symbol is supposed to convey at all. It's nothing to do with that. It's just a way of describing nature. It's a passive principle and an active principle. The yin is the passive principle and the yang is the active principle. So what are yin things? Nature is dualistic. So yin would be passive, wet, 
cold, feminine, nighttime. And the active principle would be masculine, hot, dry, daytime, those kinds of things. And you see male, female, sun, moon, wet, cold, hot, dry, death, birth, those kinds of things. There's a lot of dualism in nature. So it's just, and there's a little bit, and if you look in the symbol, there's a little bit of white. There's a little bit of yang in the yin part, and there's a little bit of yin in the yang part. And they circle each other continuously. And so it's supposed to be a symbol in motion, and it's just supposed to represent nature. So it's part of that philosophy of living in harmony with nature and the harmony of opposites. A good example of the harmony of opposites is, like I discussed with the working out, you know, if you do too little, you're not going to get any results. If you do too much, you're going to hurt yourself. You can't come back. You're not going to get any results. Really, your optimum gains and your peak physical conditioning is going to occur on the 50-yard line, right? So there's a good example of a harmony of opposites. <clears throat> your body, oh, a lot of nature is based on a homeostasis that must be observed. So if you have, uh, let's call everything like a sliding scale, a spectrum, zero being the least, 100 being the most. Uh, your temperature of your body can't be too low. If it's too low, you'll die. If it's too high, it will fry your brain and you'll die. It has to, a homeostasis is acceptable parameters on that sliding scale of 0 to 100, you're safe within a certain range. And most things are like that. Most things seek a, a homeostasis. Drama. How much drama do you want in your life? Well, if you had zero, then that means you know, drama is not always the common way of saying drama. It also means entertainment. You know, drama has pros and cons. You know, if your life is boring, you will feel unfulfilled. Then you have zero drama, zero entertainment. You're not a good storyteller. You don't know any, you know, that's forensic accounting all the time. And that's not fulfilling. But if everything is blown way out of proportion and histrionic and, you know, you take offense to everything that's said to you or... Or just you making mountains out of molehills nonstop. That's not on. That's on the opposite end of the spectrum. And that's going to make someone's life miserable and not worth living. So then, you know, even drama has a homeostasis. You got to keep, you know, your entertainment value centered. And that's what that symbol is really about is centeredness. Most Balance points are are the best points. I Man, that's not always going to be true. Okay, like I said, you can't treat every practice like a competition. But you better treat a competition like a competition. The reason that you treat practice like practice and use moderation is so that you can go all out in competition because you're uninjured and you can push that race car into the red zone. 
You know, there's a time and place for everything. And there's a little bit of yin in every yang and a little bit of yang in every yin. So this is not an absolute statement. The statement is that there are no absolutes. Most things can be found to be optimal inside the inside the homeostasis zone within those acceptable parameters. And that and that lies close to the middle on both sides. You see that a lot with politics. You see your wackadoo uh crazy blue haired third wave communist feminists <clears throat> on the left howling that we should seize the means of production rabid crazy talk and then you see literal white supremacists on the conservative side wanting us to live out Ayn Rand's dream world of not helping out the society and just going all in on uh, sort of a me first exploitative capitalist attitude you know both of those unfortunately are the most vocal portions of America but they're not the way we live and I don't want foreigners to get that to get that message that's just the internet Twitter's not real life you know if you look in your community you will see that most people live within the acceptable parameters of conservatism and liberalism they're not on the zero and they're not on the 100 they're not on the 90 and 10 portions of this scale they live within the 25 to 75 you know, yard line. Optimally, it works best on the 50-yard line when you don't let the free market grind children up in machinery because there are no laws and regulations governing child labor. And you don't let the government seize the means of production and then everything's a monopoly and there's no healthy competition out there to produce quality goods and services. You know, there's a balance, there's a synthesis between those two methods that has to be in place in order to have a workable society. <clears throat> and that's what Lao Tzu was saying with the with the Tao. And that's what that symbol means. And that symbol's always in flux because it's a way of describing nature. And to describe nature is to say you're describing reality because, you know, let's say something was supernatural. It's not supernatural. It's not outside of nature. It exists. Therefore, it is nature. Everything is nature. So this is a symbol for nature. The Tao. American men could use a little bit of yang these days. You know? I like that everybody's... Uh, it's not bad to swim around in your feelings a, a little bit. But if you get preoccupied with your internal monologue, then you will not be able to deal with reality because you're hiding from it, so you're not practicing living, so you're not going to be able to live in the real world. If you live inside your head all the time, your functionality is going to go down. And I was listening to this Russian guy, and I like to watch Russian athletes compete, and they just got this old school man's man thing. And it's not... Okay, so sometimes it is toxic masculinity. It's homophobic. Sometimes Russia has a bad problem with that. But the positive side of that is that they are problem solvers, not problem dwellers. And problem fixers, not problem causers. Problem makers. 
you know, or they sit there and let's say, I have, you know, I'm a little depressed right now. I just, I just can't. I just can't. In developing nations, you do not hear that a lot. And I'm not talking about clinical depression, because clinical depression is a real psychological disorder, just like narcissism and borderline personality disorder and all that stuff. Not everybody. You don't have the bulk of the population with clinical de depression. That's not possible. It's that the culture is not preoccupied with survival challenges like they are in a developing nation. Like they are in Russia, like they are in you know Papua New Guinea, like they are in Syria, like they are in India, like they are in <clears throat> Yemen. You know, and around the world, there are people struggling to get water. It's at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, there, Abraham Maslow made this pyramid where he said, okay, once you can, self-actualization is at the top. That's sort of an enlightenment. That's knowing yourself and knowing reality. Well, if you don't have clean water, you know, don't care about knowing reality. Your reality is that everybody's thirsty and water's poisonous. If the air quality is like that, same thing. So if you can't have enough to eat, you're not worried about self-esteem at all. It doesn't, it's not on your radar. It's not on your radar. It can't be. You know, you're hungry. And that's, and that's where a lot of rushes out. People playing cards at a card table in the mud outside a bombed out, depleted apartment complex that's got no power. You know? And you're not you're not gonna be weepy and introspective, <laughs> you know. I mean like I'm depressed. You know, if you if you live in an environment like that, you're gonna hustle. You know? So I think American men could use a little more yang. They got a little too yin. And they could use a little hustle and a little muscle, a little strength, mentally and physically, to balance out, you know, swimming around in their feelings too much. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. If it was healthy, okay. But it's not healthy. It's also talking about the harmony of opposites. You know, <clears throat> being a homophobic man's man and thinking that hitting people to solve your problems is on one extreme and then being wimpy and saying I give up I can't deal with life is the other extreme neither of those extremes is a, is a good thing right. Maslow's pyramid has uh, physiology at the bottom of the pyramid physical needs water shelter food once you get those things squared away so that you're not going to immediately die, safety is your next concern. And then after safety, you know, it's okay, so make sure nobody's attacking me. I have food, got water. Make sure nobody's attacking me. I have safety. And then you can go to esteem of others. Alright, so I got safety, I got food, I got water. Now, I want honor in my society. I want to climb the ladder a little bit. I want some material things. I want some comforts. I want to be looked at as someone who's competent. I want the best sexual selection. I want the mo the fittest mate. 
I want to be looked at as the fittest me. As they want you, let's say, what you've achieved that. Okay, you got a little, you're confident because you know you're a doer. And once you can do that, the next way up the pyramid, the next rung, I don't know if I missed any, but it's been a while since I took psychology. The next rung on that ladder or way up the pyramid is self-esteem. And then you, you got things going. You know how to get things going. You've had some successes. You know that that's a future indication of a pattern of success. All right. I feel like a success. I know how to achieve. When things get down, I know how to pull it, pull it together and get it, get it going. And that's self-esteem. So you got your physical needs. You got your safety. You got esteem from others. And then you get self-esteem. Once you get self-esteem, it knocks the chip off your shoulder. You don't really feel the need to prove anything to others from the esteem portion of the pyramid. You don't really feel the need to prove things to yourself. You got a track record that you're proud of. And you know if something comes up, you can handle it. And that's self-actualization. And that's at the top of the pyramid. And that's an inward journey. And that's where we're at in developed nations a lot of times. We are highly competitive here in America. And materialistic. We're hit. We're hitting the top of the pyramid. Okay, so we're not anywhere near self-actualization. That might be a myth. That might be a, um, more of a journey than an actual destination. Something, something to shoot for that could never happen but is worth pursuing because the obstacle is the way. Uh, it could be that. could be an actual place. Very few people probably ever achieve self-actualization, but it's definitely worth looking at and keeping in your radar and having in your sights. So... You know, if you're preoccupied with survival conditions, you're going to be at the bottom of that hierarchy of needs. And if you are in a very developed nation like we are, people can afford to be overly introspective and attack themselves from within. And that's okay if it's done in a healthy way to make improvements. But if it's you against you and you are losing, then that is not healthy and you need to yang up a little bit. You need a little hustle. In your mind, you need to know how to hustle. You need to know how to get out there and make it happen. You need a little hustle and you need a little muscle. Weak bodies create weak minds. You know, so if you're yinning out too much, you know, grab yourself some yang and you'll set it straight and go back into that homeostasis and within the acceptable parameters of healthy living. You find that a lot of things are like that. Yeah, uh, yeah so the Russians, man, they got me thinking about that. People respect people that are uh, tough. Not aggressive. Eh, sometimes, if you need to be. But not throwing their weight around. But somebody that can handle business. There's nobody that can't respect somebody that can handle business. If it comes up, I'll deal with it. No sweat. I got this. 
Everyone loves that attitude. And the best way to be respected is to get that attitude. I love that attitude. I try to collect people in my life that have that attitude. You know? My boy Adam came over yesterday. He's that army sniper. You know? He's got that attitude. I like it. I got a lot of friends like that. I like people like that. I want people around me like that. I am like that. It's not up to me to say to which degree, but it's a goal of mine and I always try to keep it in my sights because I don't want to be disappointed in myself. I hate that feeling. I hate it. I hate being afraid and I hate being disappointed in myself. And if I'm acting like a weepy little bitch, then I know that I need to yong up a little bit. So that's what I do. You know, I take stock of my environment, my immediate surroundings, outside of my head, which is not doing me any good. And I say, okay, I don't like these conditions. I don't like the set of conditions. Is it important to me to change it? Obviously it is. So how are we going to make that happen? And, and then I try my best. I don't always make it happen. But if I try my best, I feel like I did all I could do. Because that's the within my realm of control. <clears throat> if it didn't pan out, but I did my best, then I feel proud of myself. If I know for a fact that I didn't do what I could do, then I can't, how could I feel good about that? Yeah. So, talking about yin and yang. Talking about Russians. Talking about yanging up. Yang it up. Sometimes you gotta yin it up too. Some people burn too hot. Some people are so intense that people don't really want to be around them that much. Or for limited durations. Right? You're like, oh god. That chick is so extra. God, that dude's so dramatic. Man, everything's always contentious. Uh, people don't like people like that either. People like that are not happy. So, if you're young and hot, you gotta yin it down. Uh, that's just a thing. You know, if someone's not introspective enough and they can't see what they're doing and they're too blunt, too harsh... They need to yin it down a little bit. So. The, the tendency to extremism in our, the, our world of entertainments is just hilarious to me. <laughs> Moral panic. Panic over uh, viruses. You know, they're like, ah, oh, the coronavirus is out of control. It's not out of control. It's in control. None of that stuff is out of control. It never has. I quit worrying about stuff like the avian bird flu, swine flu, coronavirus, Ebola virus, uh, uh, riots, political unrest in, you know, a place that really doesn't have, that has a lot of laws. All that stuff. I don't worry about that stuff. The time I stopped worrying about that stuff was when I was a kid. I was terrified because of the news. They said killer bees, Africanized, aggressive, uh, large bees, 
are going to come up from Mexico and cover the United States within 10 years. I haven't seen a killer bee yet. Not one. Not one time. Yeah, and and that prediction and the fact that it didn't come true had a Y2K effect on my psyche. I was like, oh, I see what you're doing, man. You sensationalizing this this week. Next week, it's dead. Sensationalizing this the next week. Next week, that's dead in the water. It's like it never even took place. <laughs> you know? So everything, the coronavirus is just the next killer bee. I'm not going to worry about it. It's not worth worrying about. You know, if it comes here, fine. They'll contain it. You know, it's just killer bees. You know, turns out killer bees didn't breed so well. They were kind of sterile or whatever. So, <clears throat> yeah, we're not covered in bees. You know, you're not going to be covered in coronavirus either. You're not going to be getting Ebola or any of that. That's always something. If you watch a lot of news, you... Your mind will be a torrid world whirlwind of stress and anxiety. Uh, <laughs> on the left, people are like, Nazis are back. Nazis aren't back. There's no Nazis running. You know, maybe there's... Okay, maybe there's some people that would classify themselves as Nazis, but they're not organized. They're a disorganized bunch of rednecks nobody cares about. Right, or incels on Reddit or something like that. Maybe there's a couple out there, a little sprinkling of Nazis. Same thing, and on the right, they'll be like, Yeah, uh, they want to turn America into communist, uh, communist, uh, Stalin era. No, people aren't ag, people are not advocating for. Losing your personal choices. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to... Even the people who who preach that propaganda, Antifa people, they would be depressed if the government came and slapped some gray overalls on them and went and shipped them to work in the back of a truck on a farm they never heard of to work for the day because that's for the good of everybody. They don't really want that. Some fringe lunatics will preach that, but that's not what's happening to the majority of people at all. You know, it's just sensationalism. And sensationalism's not going to go anywhere good. You know, some people don't have an identity. They're not putting time into their passions. They're not making things happen. They're not expressing themselves in a unique manner. And they found some sort of gimmicky propaganda that's real loud that gets immediate attention and use it in place of a personality. And that's not being authentic. And I don't even dignify that kind of pattern, thought pattern system with a response. Because I'm not going to even waste my time on that. That's killer bees to me. You know, fuck killer bees. They're not coming around. The United States is bee free. Uh, yeah, my joints... My jerks, my jerks are hurting.
You know, I did a lot of contact sports. Watched that thing on Aaron Hernandez. Woo, woo. That was crazy. And, man, this guy, those football players, they hurt every day. They feel, get up every day and feel like they've been in a small car accident because that was out of moderation. Big time. Football's beautiful to watch, man. But it, because it, you have the strongest people, athletes, professional athletes, they make soccer players look like children. You know, if you look out on the field, if you've ever been on the 50-yard line close to the field at a game, you they're the fastest and strongest and most explosive athletes in the world. I'm sure there are some other sports that qualify, but that is known for combining those qualities. So it's highly impressive, and that's why people like it. But, man, it busts those people up. Contact sports bust you up. That's why martial artists start looking at the forms. <laughs> I'm guilty. I saw this meme where, you know, the girl's walking with, I mean, the guy's walking with his girlfriend, and then he looks back at the other girl, and his girlfriend is like, dude, <laughs> you know, he catches, catches him checking out the chick that's walking by. And uh, the guy said me, and then his girlfriend is uh, sparring, and then the girl that's walking by is uh, forms. <laughs> yeah. As you get older, man, you start looking at the forms walking by. You get a little tired of sparring. I still do it. You know, it's lighter contact and everything. But it's hard on the joints. You can't just bust yourself up forever. So the the kata are designed that's what they call the pre-arranged sequences of motions, the choreography that makes sure that you cover all the different planes of motion with all the different kinds of strikes and throws and and all that. That solo practice that you see karate practitioners and kung fu people doing. That's called uh, kata in Japanese. K-A-T-A. Kata. Uh, I've been doing more of that. I mean, I got the entire Kenpo system. And that's got a lot of kata. I do Tai Chi every day. Great for rehabbing those worn out joints. And they're starting to feel better. I feel 10 years younger already. So I've been paying attention to a lot of that because it does work all the different planes of motion in your hips, in your lower spinal rotation, shoulders. It's good. It hits you in the middle of the back, just everywhere. I mean, pushing off the ball of your foot. It gets you from the bottom to the top. And if you do them as fast as you can, if you're doing a hard style, if you do them as fast as you can, it'll be great cardio, and you know it's total body. So I've been doing that for cardio. I've been, you know, stepping out on my sparring and, and hooking up with the kata. Yeah, but... That's the nature of just getting a little bit older. And you look at Asians, they're hopping around when they're 90. I saw a 90-year-old Kung Fu master at 90, 90 years old. Hopping and twisting, twirling, and kicking above his shoulder level. 90. And that's kata. I know that guy's not sparring. You know, so it becomes more important to martial artists later to do that.
uh, yeah, it's just going to be good your entire life, the kata. So it's worth putting time into. I would say, yeah, dude, if you're concerned about fighting, I would go take mixed martial arts. I would go take Muay Thai and I would take Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or something like that because it is concerned purely with the functionality of uh, combat, unarmed combat. Fantastic systems for that. But I like the traditional Asian systems for longevity training. Because it combines those elements with growing old well and staying ahead of the curve. You can be, two individuals can be 40 years old. Chronologically, they have been alive the same exact amount of time. However, one of those people can look 50 because he didn't take care of himself. He's smoking. He's drinking too much. He's addicted to food. He eats a lot of sugar. He is sedentary. Doesn't sleep. He looks like ass. He's 40 and he looks like 50. And he's got the testosterone of someone 10 years his senior. And then you have another 40-year-old. This guy looks 30. He's hydrated. His posture is good. He exercises moderately every day. He makes sure to make sure that the stressors in his life are contributing to his growth as a person and not unnecessary. He is eating the right foods. He is getting enough REM sleep to repair his brain and to have good mood function. Now, he's 40, but he looks 30. Guy A is 40, but he looks 50. So you have a 20-year functional variance in someone that's the same chronological age. Both the optics, visually, the appearance, and the functionality. How functional is his life and his body. You know, and that's very important to say my... I think my second or third client I ever had took real good care of herself. And she looked fantastic at 40. She said her mom told her, Ooh, that coffee. Her mom told her, You get, when you're 20, you get the body you're born with. When you're 40, you get the body you deserve. And she is not wrong. Where is the lie? So, it's who of anyone to go ahead and take steps to take care of that. It A lot of that is about mindfulness and balance. And this that's what this episode has been all about. So, if you need to yang up or yin down... You know what you need to do. And and what I need to do. When I say you, I'm not trying to be preachy. I'm really just talking to myself in your presence. So, thanks for listening. And that is it for episode three of the Seth Says Podcast. Thanks, y'all. And I will be back next week. Thanks.